What's up, y'all? It's Be Dangerous back again with another edition of Dangerous Sports Talk. Whew, we got a lot of shit to get into this episode, but before we do all of that, please follow me, The Be Dangerous, at The Be Dangerous on Instagram and Twitter. Also, please follow me, follow Dangerous Sports Talk, the podcast, on Spotify, wherever podcasts are available. Also, the Facebook page, Dangerous Sports Talk. Check that out for me as well. Where in the hell can I begin? Let's just start off with the easiest stuff. So Aaron Rodgers has left Green Bay to go to the Jets. Now, I'm not the person that really thought this was going to happen. But I have to remember that anything can happen in sports. So you can never say never. The shit that you don't think is going to happen sometimes ends up happening. Like, I never thought that Jerry Rice was going to leave the 49ers. But he went to Oakland. I never thought that Brett Favre was going to leave Green Bay. Then he goes to the rival Vikings. And pretty much the same thing has happened with Mr. Aaron Rodgers. He apparently got a discount double check with the New York Jets. And he took it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, I only have one fan, one friend who is a Jets fan. And that's my boy Mike that I do my podcast with from time to time. What's up, Mike? And this shit is just like, really? Of all the teams you could have possibly went to, that's where you go. The New York Jets. But then again, the NFL is a business. And they they probably showed him the green. So he decided to go. Plus, there was a lot of friction between him and Green Bay's management any fucking way. Like, the shit had been dragging on and on and on with them for like a good maybe two, three years now. So, I already knew the writing was on the wall. I just didn't know if and when they were going to pull the actual trigger. So now that it's happened, there's a lot of excitement in New York. I know that much. I haven't really talked to Mike yet, but I'm definitely going to get his take on this as well. But this is going to be interesting to see. Also, more NFL talk. I didn't write this down in my notes, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Jalen Hurts got his money. And that black woman who is his agent, I don't know her name, so please forgive me. That black woman got Jalen Hurts his payday. And he richly deserves that. You're a Super Bowl caliber quarterback and you're the franchise of the Philadelphia Eagles. So he absolutely deserves this. Especially now that he has the talent around him to be able to produce and take the Eagles into another Super Bowl caliber year. That's always a good thing to see. When you see a man get paid like that and you know he has the talent, he has the charisma, and he has the skill to be an NFL quarterback, a black NFL quarterback at that. To see this was always cool, so I'm definitely happy for Jalen Hurts. But when there's smoke, there's fire. And that takes me to Baltimore. They signed my boy Odell. Okay, I'm happy for that. However, you have yet to even give Lamar Jackson the payday that he deserves as well. Now, Mr. Ozzie... Mr. Newsom, you are a Cleveland Browns legend. 
but you're an even bigger legend in Baltimore. We know what you've done for the Ravens franchise since 1996. This man has been the face of your franchise for the last few years now. The first thing that you should have done is prioritize him before everything. Yeah, I know you're going to make moves here and there to flesh the team out for the next year and such, but this man hasn't even reached his prime yet. Like, Lamar Jackson is a very good quarterback, another very good black quarterback. But, sir, this man will leave you without a second thought if he feels like he can get a better deal elsewhere because you don't want to pay him. So I hope for Lamar Jackson's sake and for the Ravens' sake that he doubles down and gives Lamar Jackson the payday that he deserves like Jalen Hurts did. Because right now Jalen Hurts is the highest paid NFL player in the league right now. And I know Lamar Jackson is probably looking at Ravens management like, um, yeah, so what's up? Uh, you're not going to pay me yet? Like, I'm not sure what's up with Ravens management, so don't ever, so don't quote me on this, but bro, if you're going to let your franchise slip through your fingers and walk the hell away, then whatever you end up with, you deserve. Point blank fucking period. But yeah, let's see what else we got. Oh, the NFL, NFL, really, NBA playoffs have been nothing short of entertaining. So I'm going to give you guys the rundown. So the Sixers sweep the Brooklyn Nets. And honestly, the Brooklyn Nets have been a sad-ass franchise since they moved to Brooklyn. And they have been nothing but past their prime former NBA stars or NBA legends who don't have the capacity to play up to their full potential. And they're still recovering from the KD fiasco they're still recovering from Kyrie they're still recovering from James Harden hell they're still recovering from fucking Ben Simmons and you managed to limp your way into the playoffs just to get fucking swept by the Philadelphia 76ers and I can't even rip into Brooklyn the way that I wanted to because I'm like it's just sad like you had all this hype about how you were gonna push the Nets out of the spotlight and be the new team in New York. When in reality you haven't won a playoff game in two years. Like what does that say about you as a franchise? Like fuck trying to take over New York. You as a franchise is nothing short of fucking depressing. And if I were a Brooklyn Nets fan. I would feel bad. It's kind of the same situation. Well hell it is the same situation with the Lakers and the Clippers. The Clippers do well. In the regular season. Players do this. Players do that. Okay. We're all good. However. When it comes down to winning. You can't cut the mustard or get it done. And we're going to get into the Clippers a little bit later. I promise you that. But Brooklyn. You're just depressing. At this point you're very depressing. But anyway. anyway, We got Denver leading, leading, leading three games to one over the Timberwolves. Then you have the Celtics. With a three-point, three-games-to-one-game lead over the Atlanta Hawks. Sorry about that. We got the Warriors and Kings. They're tied 2-2. Two two. And that's a series that I'm like, hmm, 
Interesting. Because the Kings are a hungry team. They haven't been to the playoffs in damn near 20 years. So they want to make a statement versus the defending champions. And I know Steph Curry is not going to go for that. If you're going to beat him, you're going to have to beat him decisively because he's not going to go away that easily. So the Kings better bring everything they got to fight against the firepower that is the Golden State Warriors. The Knicks are three games to one over the Cavs. Y'all know I don't care about the Cavs at all, even though I'm from Cleveland. And I have a lot of friends that are Knicks fans, so they're hyped up. Mike is a Knicks fan. Hey, I keep shouting Mike out. I got to have him on the show. But anyway, we have Miami up three games to one over the Bucks, And Jimmy Buckets came through and left it all out on the court with a 56-game Six, ugh, oh my god, 56-point game over the Bucks. And with Giannis being in the condition that he is, he still scored. He still produced. But you're down three games to one. And the Bucks are better than this. And anybody who's watched the Bucks over the season knows this. But when your star player is not at 100%, why wouldn't... Jimmy Butler and the Heat use that as an opportunity to be like, okay, we only got to win one more game to put them out of playoffs. And if you have that mentality, you will win. Also, we have two more games to talk about. Two more series to talk about that are down three games to one. The Clippers are down three games to one. And Kawhi is not playing in the next game. Game five of the first round, your back is against the ropes. I don't believe Paul George is playing. So all you have is Russell Westbrook, who has been playing better versus when he was on the Lakers. That's all well and good. But time and time again... People tell me how good the Clippers are and how they are the best team in L.A. But when it comes to playoff success, what do you have? Besides one Western Conference Finals appearance that you lost, you don't have anything. But they are so hell-bent on taking something from the Lakers. When the Clippers are going to continue to clip with outside situations coming into the play, coming into the locker room, players having personal problems or doing stupid shit, it never fails. And rather than repeat myself like a broken record every year, I just sit back and let it rock. I just want to see what's going to fucking happen. And as usual, right on fucking cue. My point is always proven. And Kawhi? It's an unfortunate situation here. Excuse me. Because his sister was found guilty of a murder and she is going to be spending the rest of her life in jail. Now, that's a difficult situation or a bitter pill to swallow for anybody. I don't care who you are. If you're an NBA player, if you're any type of anything, if you have a sister or sibling or close relative who's going down for the rest of their life over something like that, It's always hard. And for that, I sympathize with Kawhi. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, when he plays, he plays well. But while I feel bad for Kawhi, I don't feel bad for the Clippers. Because how many people would have the same grace if this was, hmm, somebody on the Lakers. If this was fucking, let's see, if this was somebody on AD side of family who did what they did and had to be sentenced to sentenced to be in jail for the rest of their lives, would people have the same sympathy that they do here? Absolutely not. Just because he's on the Clippers, people expect us to have sympathy. When Clippers, when the Clippers wouldn't piss on the Lakers if they were on fucking fire and they and they fucking play in the same building and the Clippers pay rent. So, like I said, while I sympathize with Kawhi, I don't feel bad for the Clippers because people tell me all the time how good the Clippers are and how they're gonna be the new team of LA. Or well, to be the team of L- the new team of LA, you have to win something, which they have not done. So keep going down like you used to doing, and they're gonna take their asses home, and they're gonna pay rent on May first like they usually do. And finally, we get to the juicy part. So going into this series. With the Lakers and the Grizzlies. I didn't think the Lakers had a hope in hell in winning. But the Grizzlies did what they've been doing all fucking season. They opened their mouths to speak. Whether it's Desmond Bain talking about how... um, I'm going to call him Ryu, fuck it. Talking about how Ryu's game was a fluke. Then he went out and scored the same amount of points that he did the game before off the fucking bench. The first player since Magic to do so. You have Dylan Brooks talking shit to Lahem. Saying he's old, he's this, he's that. Then Lahe does something that I didn't expect him to do. He found that killer instinct that he should have had years ago. He must have dusted off that old bullshit, put his head down, invested in that billion dollar body, and he did what he needed to do and shut that motherfucker down because I believe, what, what, what was it, in game two. Dylan Brooks did the most ungodly thing that you could do in the NBA. And that was touch the king in his boygina. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In his man area. And for that, he got ejected. And the Lakers won that game. So, they come back last night. The game went to overtime. And this man, who had so much shit to say about everybody else, how LeBron is old, how he's this and he's that. When the Lakers won this game, and they went up three games to one, Dylan Brooks literally said five words after both games. Like, literally, I counted how many words he said. 
five words when in reality we all know that if he would have won that game, if the Grizzlies would have been up three games to one, you wouldn't be able to stop that man from talking his shit with his, with his light-skinned Sealy Braves looking ass. Then when people call him out on it, and his, all the shit he was talking is backfiring in his face, talking about, I poke bears and this and this and that. But then when you get mauled by the bear, then you want to change the narrative to say, oh, the media creates this narrative about how I'm a villain and this and this and that. Listen, no, 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 no. Don't put this shit on the media when you were the one who opened your fucking mouth. You were the one talking shit. You were the one who couldn't back up the shit that you were talking. So when you get put in your place and humbled, you want to backtrack. No, 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 no. You said what the fuck you said. Stand in it. Don't try to take nothing back or this and that. But you don't have nothing to say since you fucking lost. And just to think, this all started when Ja opened his mouth in the season and said that he's fine in the West. Well, the West showed you how fine you were by humbling your asses. And if you remember in the season, the Grizzlies had 11-game winning streak going. And who snapped it? The Lakers. And <laughs> it's just comical at this point because Dylan Brooks also said that he was going to put the Lakers out of the playoffs and how great it would be. Now your back is against the ropes because you and your young-ass teammates – Want to run your mouth about what you're going to do, how you're going to do this, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't think that any other team could be more fucking talkative than the 2020 Lakers. Because them motherfuckers ran their damn mouths like hell. But the difference is they won in the end. What has been the biggest thing that Memphis has done in their entire, in their entire existence in being in the NBA? Getting Powell and Mark Gasol and John Morant. Three points. And now your mouths are about to get you eliminated. Just think. If Dylan Brooks ran his mouth like his jump shot, if his jump shot was running like his mouth, you'd be up 3-1 right now. And you would have fucking won these games. But I am, and y'all know I'm the last person to stick up for anything that he does. What's so fucking ever? <coughs> Excuse me. But honestly, to see that little motherfucker shut his mouth and say that he don't want to talk, your exit interviews are non-existent because you're humbled, that's fucking satisfying to me. And yes, AD... I think he had like a 15.11 rebounds night or something like that. He had to come in and contribute somewhere because that game was ugly. I'm not even going to lie to you. That was an ugly fucking game. But they got the win. D'Lo came and contributed it. Contribute? Really? Damn. D'Lo came in and contributed. And Reeves had 23 points. I believe Schroeder had 15 points. Like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, so just understand. But one thing you cannot do, and I know it irks 
folks' spirit to admit this. And it shocked the fuck out of me. One thing you cannot do is turn your back for too long on the Lakers. Because those moves they made at the trade deadline, that's what saved this season. Because it was all good and tee-hee-hees when the Lakers started off 2-10. and Now the same people who prayed to the basketball gods that the Lakers would be sent home like they're used to being and not make the playoffs. Those same people ain't saying a goddamn thing now. And me being a Laker fan, I got every reason to show my black ass, which I was going to do regardless. So even though I am proud of this team, the job ain't finished, in the words of my husband. Yeah, what's there to be happy about? You can be proud that you won the game. Okay, you were supposed to do that. Even though you're, quote unquote, not supposed to even be there or be up three games to one for that matter. But until the job is finished, then you can celebrate. Them little boys ran their mouths up to this point. Now it's up to you to pull the fucking trigger. And show them how fine they are in the West when they get sent the fuck home back to Memphis. And on that note, I'm going to get my ass out of here. I knew I was going to have to do a show. And with this gap being in between the Laker game and the next games, I'm like, okay. I have to do a show now, so here y'all go. A full-length show for you guys. I thank you guys so very much for your undying support and love for Dangerous Sports Talk. What up the listens on this? I know this one's probably going to get a lot of listens because people were waiting for me to talk about this shit. So, again, please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Be Dangerous. Also, follow Dangerous Sports Talk, the Facebook page, and the podcast on Spotify, wherever podcasts are available. And I am going to rest right now. So y'all have a good one. Peace.